Nobody had gone back to Horeb since, since the days when Moses went up on that mountain and spent time with God and came down with the Ten Commandments. But he went up on Mount Horeb and uh, he was just depleted and empty and seeking God and the Lord spoke to him. And it's where the phrase comes from, the still small voice. And um, I'm just going to read a little section and I'm going to pick up the story and then we'll go back later in the message and fill it in. But just pick up the story where he's up on the mountain at the mouth of this cave at the top of the mountain and uh, the Lord visits him. And it says, And the Lord said, Go out, look, and stand on the mountain before the Lord. For look, the Lord is ready to pass by. And then a very powerful wind went before the Lord, digging into the mountain and causing landslides. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the windstorm, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And then after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, there was a soft whisper, a still, small voice. And God spoke to him. And I'll, I'll return to that story, and we'll pick it up a little later on. But let me just share with you a question that I'd like you to um, ask yourself today. And after you leave service this morning, just let this question percolate in your heart. Is there anything more important in your life than knowing what God is saying? What could be more important to your life than knowing what is the Lord saying to me? What is God saying to me about me? Because surely God is speaking. God has a lot to say to you about your life. Do you know what he's saying? Do you even know? that you can hear God speak to you and that he wants to talk with you. Share with you just a couple examples in the Gospels and one out of the book of Hebrews. There's so much you'd be surprised if you did a little study on it, how much the Bible talks about God wanting you to hear him speak to you. In the Gospel of Mark chapter 9, Jesus is standing up on a mountain with uh, Peter, James, and John, uh, Peter, James, and John, and he's transfigured. He's glorified, and he begins to glow as the glory, eternal light of God shines through him. And then Moses and Elijah appear beside him talking, and poor Peter, James, and John, they're just totally blown away by this. They don't know what to think. And then the cloud of glory descends upon them, and Jesus is talking to Moses and Elijah, and they're watching this, and Peter blurts out. He says to Jesus, Lord, it is great that we're here. Let us build three temples right on this mountain. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Jesus doesn't say anything, but then a, the voice of the Father speaks out of the cloud. Can you imagine? Out of the cloud, the voice of the Father speaks, and he says, this is my beloved son, hear him. This is my beloved son, hear him. The entire counsel of God, God's advice to us, everything he has to say to us about how to manage our life and our walk with him distilled into two words, hear him. That was God's advice, hear him. Wow. And then in the Gospel of John, Jesus is talking about himself being the good shepherd and leading our lives. And he says, and he, the good shepherd, goes ahead of the sheep, and the sheep follow him because 
<clears throat> they recognize his voice. They will never follow a stranger. So there's another uh, reference indicating that following Jesus and avoiding the deception of strangers does not come from dedication or wisdom, but it comes from knowing, listening, and following the voice of Jesus. So that explains to me why in, in my life as a Christian, I have witnessed this several times. People who weren't very smart, may not have been great theologians, may, may not have uh, exhibited profound, brave dedication, um, but they, their life overall, as I watched it, they just, God blessed them, and his blessing was on them, and their life was significant in the Lord. And yet other people that I knew that were, I mean, really worked at knowing the word and, and not to diminish any of that and being stalwart and dedicated and everything, their life oftentimes compared to the first one I mentioned, their life was marked with struggle and, and strife, not a whole lot of relief. And I wonder, why is that? And, and I'm, I have to go right back to what Jesus said when he talked about the good shepherd. He said, my sheep know my voice and follow it, and they don't follow strangers. There's something that your dedication, your, your hard work, your study cannot produce. You have to get it simply by listening to what God is saying and following it. And you know a child can do this. So here you got little children living the life we want to live because they're listening to Jesus and following him. The author of the book of Hebrews talks about our relationship with God, and he says in chapter 12, verse 24 and 25, you have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people, and to the sprinkling of his blood, which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel's did. So be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. There it is. There's the advice again. We've come to Jesus. We've come to the blood of the covenant. We can study, 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 study. But if we don't listen or if we refuse to follow the voice of what he is saying to us Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I'm talking about listening to God and letting God talk to you. Do you and God conversate? Does he talk to you? Let me just set aside a problem just so it doesn't get in the way of the message this morning. I realize that there are a lot of people running around saying God talks to me and God's not talking to them. Or at least what they're hearing is not God talking to them. And I know some people have an emotional need to be able to run around and tell everybody they know God is talking to me. God told me. God told me. And um, uh, sometimes those people just have an emotional need to be important. And so how, how can you be more important than to say, God told me this? So, <clears throat> and sometimes I think we... we don't want to be the people that are talking to God. God's talking to them because we don't want to appear to be those kind. But you are wise people, and I know that you're sharp. So just separate it out. Eat the chicken, spit out the bone. Okay? Praise the Lord. So the Bible sums up your relationship with Jesus very simply by saying, expect him to talk to you, and then don't refuse to listen. Amen. Expect him to talk to you. 
don't refuse to listen. In, uh, back again at the Gospel of John, Jesus is at the Last Supper, one of the most important meetings he has with his disciples, probably the most important meeting. Everything he says at that supper we call the Last Supper was very significant, and he spent a lot of time talking to them about the Holy Spirit. They were going to be put under the administration of the Holy Spirit, which was the Spirit in him. And he said, I'm going to go, and, and the purpose in my going is so I can send the Holy Spirit to live within you. And um, so he's talking about the Holy Spirit living within them, and he says this, There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't hear it now. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into the truth. He will not talk about his own but he will tell you, and the word tell there in the original Greek text means to utter words, to talk. Um, so we're talking about the Holy Ghost talking to us. When he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will tell you what he has heard about me and from me. And he will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. So Jesus set the church up to follow a talking spirit, a talking Jesus. We don't follow a dead statue. We don't follow a distant ideal, no matter how high or perfect or theologically positioned it is. We follow a talking Savior. Somebody say, Praise the Lord, a talking Jesus. We, we need to reintroduce the church to the idea that God's talking to his people. When you go to the book of Revelations, the first, uh, the second, third chapter, hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. God is talking. So the great purpose of the Holy Spirit in your life is to repeat to you what Jesus has said. In other words, Jesus says, I have a lot more I want to talk to you. So I say to you, people of the 20th and 21st century, that the Lord has a lot more that he wants to say. Amen. He is talking. Amen. He's talking to people today. And he has sent the Holy Spirit to repeat to us what Jesus is saying and to reveal things to come. So many people are complaining about the year 2020, and I just... I, I just have to say, Facebook is filled with hysterical memes uh, uh, that characterize the year 2020. And I laugh because they are, they are funny, and you've got to laugh. But the fact is, God does not want you and I being drugged year by year across the finish line of one year into another to be victims of those years and victims of circumstances. We are to be ahead of everything. God wants to show you things to come. And so he wants to talk to you. I'm encouraging you, sitting here in this sanctuary, even though uh, half our church is out, still away, uh, playing hooky with family. Um, you know I'm kidding. Dear ones, praise the Lord. And those that are, those that are watching live uh, right now, those that are going to be viewing the video, I, I want you to know God wants to talk to you about things to come. So that's the great purpose of the Holy Spirit. And let me just say to you that when you listen to the Holy Spirit speak to you, something happens. 
And, and what happens is he frees you from becoming stuck in your circumstances and from becoming a captive of your own life. There are many people that become captives of their own life. They're, they start out with a bang, everything seems fine. How many people go to the marriage altar? I always pick it on married people. It's just something we can relate to. And uh, I mean, it's a honeymoon. We are so happy, we're so... But then, somewhere down the road, that very same relationship, we're stuck in it. We, we feel claustrophobic. We want to get out of it. We're not happy. What happens? Something happened. We become victims of our own life. And the answer isn't always just to run away or to get out of it. But something has happened to us along the way. And so it's very typical that people will become stuck in their circumstances. They're not moving through them. They're just stuck in them. And you know what a rut is. It's a grave with the ends kicked out. And so people are in a rut. And they feel like dying. They feel dead. And we're going to talk about the prophet Elijah because he was definitely there, captive of their own life. But when the Holy Spirit speaks to you and you listen to the Holy Spirit, when God speaks, it frees you from being stuck. It delivers you from the captivity of your own life. And the things he says to you move you forward in God's purposes in your life and free you from the things you're tangled up in. Now, this is especially true of people who live for God and who become stuck in frustrating cycles trying to fulfill a ministry or trying to fulfill their purpose as a Christian. And the prophet Elijah was a perfect classic example of that. He served great important missions in his life that included things like teaching and challenging the people of Israel who were just, were constantly, perpetually, um, chronically in a state of backsliding. So here he is, the, the prophet of God, constantly pulling on them, challenging them to stop backsliding, stop worshiping idols. Um, he worked tremendous miracles in his life. God used him in phenomenal, outstanding miracles, including raising the dead. He reproved kings, wicked kings, and corrected them. He called for a drought upon Israel because of their backsliding ways. A three-and-a-half-year drought, not one drop of rain. And then at the end of three-and-a-half years, when it was God's time, he prayed. Minutes later, it started raining. And he confronted the prophets of Baal that were destroying Israel, confronted, called fire down from heaven. He had told the prophets of Baal, let's go, let's find out whose God is God. We're going to have a big showdown. And uh, don't you know it? He, they made a big, how many of you know this story? Yes, yeah, they made a big, big fire, giant fire. They put sacrifices up there. And he said, okay, you guys can go first. And so there they are, 450 prophets of Baal, jumping around, cutting themselves with stones, babbling on about Baal and everything. And Elijah said, who's the, whose God is real, the real God, he will send fire from heaven and consume the offering. So have at it, knock yourselves out. They did. They were going till noontime, knocking themselves out. It's kind of comical when you see it in your mind. Um, but uh, nothing happened, and so you could just kind of see them dropping their rocks and rolling back down off of the, the, the dry wood and just moping off but probably certain that he wasn't going to get anywhere. And so Mo, uh, uh, Elijah, while they're up there jumping up and down, he yells up to them, I love this guy. 
He's sarcastic. He's just, you know, and he yells up to them. He says, guys, he said, try shouting a little louder. Perhaps, perhaps your God is on a journey. Or maybe he's in the bathroom and he can't be disturbed. So he's heckling them while they're going at it. And then when they're all done, he goes up and he simply lifts up his voice and he says, God, you are God. Show these people who you are. Whoa! Fire falls from heaven. Not only burned up the sacrifice, burned up all the wood and all the rocks because before he prayed, he told the people, I want you to get a million gallons of water and pour it on this thing. Not gasoline, water. And, all, and they built a trench around it and made a moat filled with water. And it, by the time the fire was done falling, everything was crispy and dry. Not a bit of water. So God had used him to do tremendous things. His, his missions were impressive. And... No sooner had he called fire down, I think the very same day, he goes up on top of the mountain and he calls for an end to the drought. And all of a sudden, a little cloud the size of a fish shows up on the horizon. And the, you could hear the people saying, well, that's not going to do much. It's way off there on the horizon. He says, yeah, just give it a minute. And after a while, it's overhead and it is pouring down pouring rain after three and a half years. And so then the Queen Jezebel, everybody at least knows the name Jezebel. This is the, the namesake Jezebel, evil, evil woman. She finds out that he killed, by the way, after the demonstration of the fire, he told the people, grab those 450 prophets of Baal, don't let them get away. And he grabbed a sword and personally slew all 450 of them. Those people, they had some weird church back then, <laughs> let me tell you. So just appreciate what you've got. So at any rate, um, slew the 450 prophets of Baal. So uh, Jezebel hears that he has killed the 400 prophets of Baal, and she says, before the sun goes down today, I'm going to take your head off your shoulders. And when that happens, he just loses all his steam. He's had it, he's done, and he runs off into the desert. So after calling fire down from heaven, slaying 450 prophets of Baal, uh, releasing the rain after three and a half years, and then to have Queen Jezebel say, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to behead you, after all the self-sacrifice over the years, after the discipline, after the obedience of seeking God, think of the, how, how precise in his obedience Elijah had to be to live the kind of life he was living. These things didn't come easy to him. He truly had to sacrifice to walk before God. After all of it, it seemed at the end to be pointless because evil still rose up and continued to prevail. And that was it. That was all he could take. Elijah had come to his end. He just felt it's useless. If all these things that God has done through me have not made a dent, what good is my life? 
and he goes a day, spends a whole day running out into the desert, finds a tree, collapses under it, and he prays. And he says, God, let me die. Just kill me. And he falls asleep. So there he is out in the desert, and he is depleted. He's at his end. He's in no condition to go any further in his assignments for God. Elijah runs out in the desert, as I said, prays that he will die. But God knows exactly what Elijah needs. And God has been maneuvering him in these circumstances and in this whole emotional odyssey that he is on. He's been maneuvering him every step of the way. God knows what Elijah needs, that Elijah needs a fresh word from God that could detangle him from the web of emotions that had crisscrossed his mind and had bound him up. Even his experiences that were great as well as the, the trials that were miserable, he was just over it and he had lost all of his steam. And the angel of God appears to him as he's sleeping under this tree and he presents him with some food and he says, eat this. You're going to need this for your journey and instructs him to go down to the Mount Horeb. If you ever look at a map of where he is up in Israel and 40 days it took him to go through the desert to get down to the Sinai Peninsula where Mount Horeb was, I'm astounded that he found it because there's no roads, there's no markers, you don't, you don't see any signs as you're driving along the right 35 miles to Mount Horeb. Jose says. So, nothing like, but he finds Mount Horeb. And God is working as he is, as he's making his way. And he gets up on Mount Horeb and he finds a cave up in the top and he just goes in the cave and just flops out. And God was stripping Elijah, both of the gratitude of his victories and the bitterness of his trials. And by the time he reaches Horeb, here's the condition the great prophet of God is in. His drive is gone. Nothing seems to matter in his life. His own life in his own eyes has lost its significance. His life has become pointless to him. So here's Elijah. And all of us who have walked with God for any length of time have come to this point. Maybe not to the dramatic extent that Elijah did, but in some way or another, you should be sitting there being able to identify these feelings of being trapped in your own life, needing to be delivered out of your own life, feeling like you've just been traveling around the same mountain, the same carved out path, you're not getting anywhere. So stripped of purpose, Elijah now stands at the mouth of that cave on top of Mount Horeb, and finally God speaks to him and the Lord says, go stand out on the ledge because I'm about to talk to you. And so Elijah stands out on the ledge. And as I read, he reviews this parade of phenomenal, powerful manifestations. First, a wind so powerful that it rips rocks out of the side of the mountain. Followed immediately by an earthquake 
that what the wind didn't rip out, the, the earthquake shook loose. And then finally after that, to clean it all up and mop it all up is a devouring fire that passes through. And in all these, these three manifestations, Elijah's watching them. Now I want to just share with you what I believe is going on in the mind of Elijah. He's watching these three, three manifestations and he's looking at them thinking, where were those when I was back in in Egypt, having to deal with the king and Jezebel, the, the backsliding people, the prophets of Baal, I could have used these weapons. I could have used this. I would have loved to have had these things in my ministry to call for winds and release earthquakes. And but now he sees them, and they're meaningless to him. He knows God is not in those things. The Bible says the Lord was not in any of those. And he just stands there watching them, and he has no connection to them. Just days before, they would have been taken by him as God's answer. He would have said, this is my confirmation. I've, I've seen the earthquake. I've seen the fire. I've, I've witnessed the power of the wind. But now he watches it, and detached and empty but wiser, he realizes God is not in that. And once all of that happens comes the small whisper, the inner voice, the still small voice. He could not have heard that had he run off with the wind, the earthquake, and the fire. He couldn't have heard it when he was back up in Israel, all tangled up in all of the politics and the, the struggle and all that was going on. And so now with all of that behind him, he knew God's purpose wasn't in any of those manifestations. Elijah was a man reduced to one primary concern, only one thing. And that was, what is God saying? What is God saying? I don't even care about my life. My life doesn't even seem significant to me. If I had a magic gift put before me, God said, just say whatever you want, like a genie, and you can have it. He had nothing to say. There was nothing he wanted. He just wanted and needed a word. What is God saying? So only then in his state of holy detachment was Elijah capable of hearing the still small voice. You see, a fresh word from God frees us from what he wants to leave behind us and prepares us for what he has set before us. Nothing but a fresh word from God can do that. In fact, people like to use the word reset. They use it with companies that have kind of topped out and, and they need a re-beginning. Churches need a reset. People say, I want to reset my life. But let me say to you this morning that genuine resets in life, true resets in life, are only produced by hearing a word from God. Only hearing what God is saying to you can truly bring a reset in your life. All the self-effort, determination you muster up will not do anything more than just deepen you in that grind that you have been grinding out. So truly, as we prepare to leave 2020 in the rearview mirror, now is the time to break out of entanglements. Now is the time to press beyond 
current business, now is the time to journey alone down to Mount Horeb, to the mountain of God, stripped, detangled, and ready to hear what is God saying to me. And let me just say to you, what Elijah had to realize is what you and I have to realize. You were created by God, saved, and you're His today to be more for a much greater purpose than that of just a religious functionary. You see, religious functionaries will get into a rut of trying to be a Christian, trying to follow Jesus, trying to fulfill a ministry, doing all of these things day in and day out. And the answer isn't always just to quit doing those things, but to do them without hearing every day what God is saying, without letting Him talk to you. Whether it's sitting with the Bible in your lap and reading the Scriptures, and after about 10 minutes you're reading and all of a sudden your eyes fall upon a word and that word jumps off the page and the Holy Spirit in you illuminates that word and speaks it to you and you know you've just heard the voice of God. Or whether you flip on the radio and hear somebody say something and in the stream of conversation there's a word spoken directly to you. I was taping a radio broadcast back in the 80s and had a, a program on Half Hour Day at the Noon Hour and he used to tape these a couple of weeks before they actually aired on the radio. So if you'd listen to this program, it's called The Sword of the Spirit. If you'd listen to The Sword of the Spirit, you would think, oh, well, I like this. And uh, you're hearing this word, but it was actually from a couple of weeks before. And I was in the, uh, the recording room recording the message. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me while I'm talking and the reel's going, recording. And the Lord said, there's someone out there listening to you. And in my mind, I'm thinking, yes, two weeks from now, you know. Uh, and, um, and the Lord said, there's someone out there. This man is out there and he's driving in his car and he was about to kill himself. He's at the end of his life and he wants to commit suicide. But I, his, his life is not to end. I want him to know that I love him. And so I stopped whatever I was saying, and I said, I have to just stop right now and say, someone is out there driving in your car, and you're planning to kill yourself. Well, there was a guy named Bob, because I found out about a month or so later. He ended up coming to our church and was in our church for years after that. But he was driving along the coast. This was up in New England. He was driving along the coast going to kill himself. He was at the end of his life. His whole life had just fallen apart. And he was on his way. And I don't even remember what it was he was going to, but he's about to kill himself. And a voice comes through the radio and, and speaks to him. He pulled over and just broke down and wept, and all of that misery just left him. And the love of God just filled his heart, and he got saved. And the Lord just did a great thing in, in his life. And so, I mean, that's kind of a dramatic example, but God is speaking to you. You can hear two people talk. I listen to my wife talk all this always happens. And it's like, oh, the Lord is speaking. And, um, you know, she'll say something. And she can tell you we, have, we are great conversators, Kathy and I. We conversate a lot. But uh, we'll sit down to have these conversations. I always bring a notepad and a pen because I know God's going to start talking. So I bring a notepad and a pen. I see in wives look over at their husbands going, take a note. You are more than a religious functionary. 
But if you're to truly be more than just a functionary who, who's just beating your life out like, like beating laundry on a stone um, at, at tasks and, and good works and trying to fulfill ministries, if you want to break out of that, you're going to have to get in the habit of hearing God. Listen to God speak to you. And so I'm going to close and just say that, that the Holy Spirit is in your life because Jesus has so much more that he wants to say. And I want to encourage you to listen, especially as we're about to go into this new year, because I really believe for us and for the people of God, perhaps at large, but I know for you and I, this needs to be a year of hearing what the Spirit is saying. This has got to be a year of the Word of the Lord. And it, and it, and it can't be just a year where the pastor's hearing what God is saying. You know, or one or two others are, are giving up confirmation. We as a people, as a body, need to be listening to the Lord and saying what the Lord is saying and acting and doing. When you hear His voice, as Hebrews said, do not harden your hearts. If you this morning have never thought God wants to talk to me, it has never crossed your mind on somebody that the Lord wants to talk to. I, first, I want to help you. You need to, I know I talked about the prophet Elijah, who was a very important person. But everything that I read out of the New Testament indicates that God wants to talk to everybody. Not just, quote, people that we deem or think are important. You and your life is important. And you think, well, how, how important? It's important enough that Jesus died for you. If he lives in your heart, if he came in your heart, you received him as your Lord and Savior, then trust me, your life is as valuable to God as the Apostle Paul or anybody else that you might look up to or these figures you might read about in the Bible. God wants to talk to you. And so I want to encourage you this week to begin to set time aside. Maybe make a little holy place in your house where you can get away, closet or something. You just get away, shut everyone out. It's your little Mount Horeb, if you will. And it's okay to go in there and, and feeling like Elijah and saying, you know, I've been doing these good things, but all this bad stuff keeps happening. I'm really starting to feel futile. I'm thinking I'm not getting anywhere. Pour your heart out. Get it all out before God because he's about to speak to you. And when he does, it will separate you and detangle you from all those frustrations and all those things. When God speaks to you, and gives you a fresh word, all of a sudden, everything behind you stays behind you. It's like he circumcises. It's like he just cuts it off. It's all behind you. You're not dragging the weight of it. You're not dragging the guilt. You're not feeling that you have to press on and drag the responsibility. It's off your shoulders. It's behind you. And now God has put something new in front of you. And you're, you're looking at what he is saying. And now you're not just letting life happen to you. You're making life happen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so I want to encourage you to stand with me this morning as we pray. And just kind of present our lives and our heart to the Lord. As Isaiah did, saying, Lord, here am I. Speak to me.